What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, but wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going well, Graham. Spring has sprung, and that's why we're out here at Grant Park in Atlanta. We chose this park specifically because it's close to Turner Field. Yes. Where we will be this coming Saturday. Right. This is a reminder for you users. We'll remind you at the end of the show as well. We will be at the Blue Lot. The Blue Lot on Saturday, April 7th, this Saturday, 2018, for the Georgia State spring game. But don't show up in Georgia State gear. You can if you want. But wear some Braves gear. We're going to pretend like we're going to a Braves tailgate because we haven't tailgated at the Blue Lot in two years. Very unfair since the Braves moved to SunTrust Park. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last time we can do it because they'll probably ban these sorts of activities Indeed, after what we do. So we got to make it count. We will have food for everyone. You need to bring your own drinks. Depends on how many people come. Yes. If there's, you know. Like if you're starving, don't just rely on us. Right. I mean, feel free to contribute as well to either the liquor or the food intake. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we hope to see some of y'all out there. Uh, I think this could be really fun. And the parking is free. Yes, I've parking is free. Up. The game is free. Yeah, if you want to check out what Turner Field looks like since it's been uh, turned into a football stadium, you can go in and look at it. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, I think uh, we'll have to do that at some point. You do need to look into what's the earliest we can show up. Yes. Because I've made that mistake before, showing up way too early to a game. And when, the is the, when, is the game, when is the actual game start? I can't remember. I want to say like two. Oh, 11 should be fine then. They yeah, should have no problem. Sometimes it's just two hours beforehand. That'd be very unfair. And being Georgia State, I don't know what their deal is. So I don't know what their deal is either. We'll, we'll make a phone call and then we'll throw it out on the old uh, Facebook or some sort of social media. On Twitter. You know. Yeah. Um, but right, that's April 7th, this Saturday, at the Blue Lot in front of Turner Field. And that dog across the uh, street there at the park is going to, I'm going to strangle it. They've got a lot of construction going on here. Have, have you, the, they're building that new uh, parking garage. Mm-hmm. For Grant Park, that I know is a big uh, protest. Yeah, a lot of people are not very excited about that. But you need parking, man. Coming from a guy employed by the parking uh, reserve, well, if plus you will. They, they were just tearing over uh, asphalt already. So mm-hmm. it's not like you're losing any green space. So sometimes sure. people just find things to get upset about, you know? Yeah, you need a cause to rally like, around. Is that really the cause you want to get behind? Well, I think some people are concerned about. What's well, doing to the environment? Probably got to tear down a shit ton of trees. No, they're just building it straight up from the asphalt. Oh, I don't know what the fuck the problem is then. Sounds like it would be nice because there's never any, you know, you run out of places to park down there for Christ's exactly. sake. Exactly. There's going to be less people parking in your neighborhood. Yeah. Because they're just going to park in the garage. Exactly. I don't know what the problem is. Maybe we have to talk to a protester. We have to find one and bring them on the show today. They'd probably just be screaming at us. Yeah. And say, fuck you. For, incoherent. Yeah. Yeah. For your little show sitting out there on this park bench with a with a laptop and a, and a blue microphone. <laughs> we better get this thing going before we run out of battery. Yeah, that's for sure. We're going to talk about all the Braves action that happened over the last week, uh, the series against the Phillies and the Nationals, as we only covered opening day in the last episode. Um, and then from there, I'm not sure where we're going to go. I think we're just going to wing it. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot else going on with the Falcons and Hawks. A couple so, little tidbits. Yeah, nothing substantial. But we'll, obviously, we're we'll starting with the Braves. It's baseball season. Baseball is back at them. And the Braves are 4-2. They and are 4-2. And the National League East. And I believe in second place. No, tied for first now with the Actually, Nationals. Yes, tied for first with the Nationals. Um, yeah, we're 4-2. and two, And I wanted to start this segment because, as you guys know, Graham has a tendency to instantly go to the negative. 
So what I'm going to do is let us just enjoy this four and two. It's the first time we've been over 500 since 2015. I find that hard to believe. Is that true? That's that's what I heard on the radio today. Since 2015? Yes. So not – Remember we had all sucked. those bad starts. But the 2017 team – they were never over 500. They were never over 500. They no. got to 500 they at some point. They got to 500, but then but they, they never, never went, over. went over. Wow. Maybe it's the first time we were two games over 500. Regardless, it's been a breath of fresh air. Yes. So I'll, I'll let you keep going with your So I'm going to go ahead and get the negatives out of the way, Graham. Okay. Uh, that I know you're going to mention. Sure. The concerns over the starting rotation. Yes. Julio's been atrocious. He has been awful. He even gave up a home run to the, pitch, the opposing pitcher last yes. night. Um. What else were the negatives? Um, the bullpen and their inability to throw strikes consistently. There's been a lot of walks. They kind of, uh, yeah. especially in today's game, they loaded the bases a couple times and got out of the jams. So that's a concern. Um, but besides that, offensively, I don't, I don't think there's a ton to complain about. Well, offensively, we've been outstanding. Yes. Uh, there's only one game, and unfortunately, it was the game I went to. I went to the game on Monday against the Nationals, where we lost eight to one uh, on my birthday, which was not the best birthday present in the world. But that's the only game out of the six games so far that we've been totally out of from the beginning. And it, that game as well. That was the game uh, Newcomb was starting, and yes. I just felt bad that it, it like if it had started differently because it started with Freddie Freeman of all people making an error at first base. Yeah. And then Newcomb tried to pick that guy off and, and then, then an error. Yeah. yeah. So and then the catch wasn't made and then guys at third with no outs. I mean, he's definitely one of the, the young guys that needs to get off to a good start to get some mojo going. Yeah. And he just, the same old, same old struggling throwing strikes after that. Yeah. And that was something I noticed was he was just, he, you know, he had once again, a lot of walks. I don't think he got out of the fourth inning. Uh, gave that huge home run to Harper. And it was it was sort of a repeat of his bad starts last year. And a lot of people remember that he started last year pretty hot when he came up. And everybody was starting to be like, oh, shit. I think maybe this guy is for real. But he was, playing, he was pitching against a lot of teams that were very poor offensively. And once he started playing against better teams offensively, I went to the game last year, July 4th, against the Astros, where he was just shellacked. Oh, that one was terrible. And, and, and the Astros were amazing last year. They won the World Series for a reason. Yeah. But he was shellacked. And, uh, and this was kind of like that again. He's fallen behind the count so many times to guys, walking guys, and then he gets to a point where he can't walk anybody anymore or can't pitch around anybody. He's got to throw strikes, and people are just on point with it and hitting the ball at the ballpark or getting doubles. Uh, you know, Harper's home run, I think, was – 425. I mean, he just yeah. blasted it. Yeah, not not an encouraging start to the season for Sean Newcomb. Yeah, but... He did kind of run into a buzzsaw. Though. The Nationals are an yeah, exceptional team. They're going to be contending this year. They will lose in the first round again because that's what they do. That's what all Washington sports do. But... They, they got a hell of a team, man. They do. They yeah, do. And, Harp, what... and Harper's in his contract year, and he's playing his ass off. Today was the first time he's ever struck out. That was awesome. Yeah, uh, Fulty made him look human today. Fulty did make him look human Two today. strikeouts. But I would like to mention that while I was at the game and Harper hit that home run, there's a couple of Nationals fans sitting near uh, my mom and I, and uh, they are going, yay, yeah, after the home run. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? You got no rings. You got no playoff wins. And he's going to the team next year. 
It doesn't matter. Did you really get that mad? Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, yeah I started, that was like word for word pretty Yelling much. directly at them? I didn't yell at them. I yelled at just in general the whoever field. listened to me. The sure. Field. Yeah. Sure. And so and they, they looked at me like, hmm. And my mom was like, you know, there's a lot of nationalists. You know, there's a couple of nationalist fans here. Are you sure? And I was like, this is our damn stadium. We can say whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, I guess you're right. We need more of that Yankees mentality. I saw yesterday where uh, Giancarlo Stanton in his Yankees home debut mm-hmm. went over five with five people boo him? They booed him. Ah, <laughs> nice. After the, like, he already hit a couple bobs on the year. They but, still booed him. Yeah. Hilarious. We need that mentality sometimes. That that was a that was a tough game to watch, but I think, you know, offensively, let's get into offense real quick before I start going apeshit on these pitchers, right? Yeah. Preston Tucker has been outstanding. He has been. He's man. had, in the last 48 hours, his two three-run bombs. One against a pretty shitty pitcher in A.J. Cole, but the second against arguably the best pitcher in the league in Max Scherzer. Yeah. Three-run homer. Uh, he is fighting for his life because he knows Ronald Acuna Jr. is coming, and he doesn't want to give up a spot. I mean, he's made such a name for himself already because he's he's just been Mr. Clutch, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, you could argue we don't win those last the two games against the Nationals if it weren't for him. No, not at all. And like, to get us started against Scherzer like that in the first inning, he's the first player, the first Braves player ever to hit three either a three-run homer or a grand slam in the first inning in, franchise, in back-to-back games in franchise yeah. history. Yeah, I mean, he's just getting the game off. Which is an absurd yeah. stat. He's starting the game off. the people that have played in the Braves franchise. Right, he's starting the game off right. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to – it's not sustainable to a three-run homer every day, but it's been encouraging coming from a guy that you know you don't know what to expect. You're hopeful that he can contribute, but he's contributed in a massive way. And I also appreciated today that he was able to walk, take a walking at Scherzer. He's able to work the count and yeah. draw a walk, and because you got to realize he's not going to be like I said, he's not going to do this all the time. And so for him to show good plate discipline against you know top three pitcher in the National League. Is awesome. So yeah. it was an encouraging sign. Outside of the homer, yeah, it's great. But, you know, getting on base is how you win baseball games, and you're not going to hit a home run every time. You're going to get on base more than you're going to hit a home run. So to see him do that was really nice. And, and he, the reason I was going into this season excited about him was because, yes, you can strictly look at his MLB numbers and see that he hit 217, but you got to dive a little deeper and see the year that he actually played for the Astros a couple of years ago. He had shoulder issues, mm-hmm. and so he finally got that taken care of. And then last year he was down at AAA the whole year. He was and, mashing, wasn't and he? he? Yeah, he hit like yeah. three thirty plus. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy that just needed a chance, and um, he's strong as all get out, but he's not trying to smash the ball. That's what uh, Kevin Seitzer was saying about him today. Like coming out of spring training, he was just so impressed with how smooth he's swinging and not trying to kill it. But because he's so strong, he can do what we've seen the past couple days. So right, that's really promising. Mm-hmm. And then a launching pad like uh, like SunTrust Park, you know that that home run he hit today, I didn't think it was going to get out, but the ball fucking carried. Yeah. And regardless of that, uh, I've been impressed by the effort and by what I'm seeing from him. I, you know, haven't seen enough of him defensively to really have an opinion there, but offensively, he's been the bee's knees so far. He's been the hero of the. He's he arguably has been the MVP. Maybe outside of Freddie Freeman. For the first week. Of the first week. Yeah. Um, Freddie has played like an MVP caliber player, sitting over 400. He's got a 600 on base. He has the most walks. He, he's walking. He's, you know, and that, that's actually one point of concern I'll, I will throw at this team offensively is that we're not walking a lot. Uh, I think only Freddie and 
Yeah, because we're hitting the hell out of the ball. Yeah, it's like we're being really aggressive. We're being really aggressive, which is, you know, it it depends on, you know, the pitcher you're facing. Like, we have killed, you know, pitchers who are not aces. And I guess we kind of shelled Scherzer today. Yeah. But, but, but. I'll let you finish. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's this team's path forward is to really make sure that we destroy guys who are in the back end of the rotation. I Because we're not dis- walking at all. We're being I, way I, too aggressive I early dis- on the count. I disagree with that statement because I have seen more great at-bats out of people up and down this lineup than I've seen out of any Braves team in the past couple of years. And we're not striking out either. Well, because we're swinging so early on the count. We we're are, not. We're, you, you and I are saying the exact opposite thing. So obviously we don't have the stats on it, but I've no. seen a lot of great at bats. Ozzy Ozzy always has had a couple ten plus pitch at bats. Yeah, he's sitting under two hundred. Not anymore. He had a three hit game yesterday. Well, he didn't get any hits today, so he's sitting under two hundred. He was hitting two hundred at the end of yesterday. He has not been patient in the count. Dansby hasn't been patient. Ender hasn't been patient. A lot of guys just come up there swinging at the first couple pitches with reckless abandon. So Freddie here we is sit. the only guy here that is that on. is it's it's a concern because you're not going this pace that the offense is at right now is not sustainable in any respect. Here, they are not going to do this. Here we sit on the Wednesday. only good pitcher that we face is Scherzer. I guess Roark. Roark's all right. So you're going to tell me we're going to just cut through all these teams and just continue to keep doing what we're doing? So here we sit. We've got to be able to make adjustments. Wednesday, April fourth, with the number one offense in the league by a long shot. Yeah, and, but that's not sustainable. And you're just squawking about the negatives. We're also playing in one of the most hitter-friendly, what is becoming one of the most hitter-friendly parks in Major League Baseball, in SunTrust Park. I love what I've seen from the offense, but we got to learn how to take a fucking pitch. We might just have to stop this podcast. I can't believe you're taking this stance. I'm just saying, especially at the game I was at. Against, you, were at the one, you were at the one. Let me tell you something. Roark is a good pitcher. Roark had a bad, had a bad year, year. He had a bad he, year last year and a good year before that. He is a solid, you know, third, fourth, fifth guy. We could not figure him out. And it's because we were swinging right. at first and second pitches let's, all the let's, fucking time. Let's pause this. So when we have 20 walks, Adam, half of those go to one player in Freddie Freeman because he has no protection in the lineup. Four of those go to Nick Markakis. The rest of those walks are spread out a bunch, you know, across a few guys. That is not a, you know, and that's going to change. It's going to fluctuate over the season, obviously. But I think it's a decent indicator to tell you where this team's mindset is at in terms of being able to work the count. And if and if one player has half of your walks, that's not a good sign. Regardless regardless of how we're performing offensively right now. Because we are hitting the ball, but we're not always going to be performing at this clip, and you've got to be able to take pitches to succeed as an offense in this league. I get your point, Graham, but I also hate you. Like, <laughs> I know, but you got to start thinking talk. about projections. Let me talk, David. All right. Good Lord. So based on coming into this season, where you thought this offense would be and where we are, and I realize it's only through two seats, series i realize we've been at home but how can you not love what we've seen oh it's been enjoyable baseball it's been good but i start to think about you know how this offense projects moving forward have you seen like the stats on the way we're hitting with runners in scoring position yeah it's good they're playing small ball they're being aggressive on the bases 
which is what we saw. They're taking that extra base, which is what we saw in spring training, mm-hmm. which has been awesome to see. Yes. Base running has been very good from this team. I, you know, we have a number of stolen bases. I don't know. I have the stat in front of me, but it seems like we are playing good situational baseball right now. I'm not going to argue against that. I would just like to see more walks and more working at the count. At the same time, if guys are throwing pitches down the middle, which has been happening a lot, you're not going to get a shit ton of walks. And the reason Freddie Freeman has a lot of walks right now is because everybody knows he's the best player on this team and you don't want to get beaten by him. And you're only going to pitch to him and, and if, if, if the base is, you know, if you have guys on base. And the guys behind him have been knocking him in as well. Yeah, they've been doing well. So, you know, I could be full of shit here. I'm just saying... I would like to see a more patient approach from this offense. So, Graham, what would this podcast sound like if we win the World Series? Are you gonna Jesus Christ? Are you gonna just like find all no. the flaws? If you that win wrong? the World Series, I I'm not gonna. Were. I think you got some sort of disease where you can't appreciate a good thing and just be like, "Look, we're four and two. We we've, just we we've overachieved. We just beat two division rivals to start the year. We started like zero and nine two years ago. Yes, keep that in mind. Right. So, just enjoy this. Yes, we're gonna come down to earth probably. Mm-hmm. But there's also clearly potential here. We got good problems because I mean, keep in mind, our both of our starting catchers are also injured. Right. We had Ian Stewart starting and catcher. And why did why did he or Chris Stewart? Why why did Chris he Stewart. why did he get DF he got DFA'd today and I don't understand why. Because uh Suzuki's gonna play Friday. Okay. I don't know why him versus that other guy that we traded for. Yeah, Carlos it doesn't Perez. really make sense. Um I think, you know, even Stewart was contributing offensively. I don't know why. I mean, whatever. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he wasn't like amazing, but, you know. So, I mean, this lineup has more things coming. So, um, just think about how much deeper our bench is going to be as well once Kamara goes back. That means your boy um, Flaherty, who's been killing it. Flaherty's been out of this world. He has more hits right now than he did the entirety of last season. That's crazy. That's insane. So, he's been killing it. So, that's going to be a bench guy. Yeah. And... The whole Tucker Acuna situation is going to obviously, if once Acuna's ready, he's the guy. But that means Preston's number one bat off the bench or gets more starts instead of Marcakis. Here's here's an idea for you. Marcakis is starting off the season really hot. Let's say Preston Tucker continues this towards streak. Obviously, he is not going to hit 400 forever. But let's you know, let's say for the first month of the season, he's hitting 290, 280. You know, he's doing pretty well. You try to make an aggressive mood to. To, to flip Nick Marcakis now, while you know, while he's he's hitting the ball pretty well, as, and he's getting on base. I mean, do yeah. you try to do I that? Mean, I think regardless, you're not going to get a huge. No, but just to clear the way for if you really believe in Preston yeah, Tucker, no, I'm, I'm all about after that. the first month, and you're like, okay, this guy is. It's not just a one week wonder. He's maybe he's here to stay. I don't know. Guy. Yeah, put put keep him in left and put Acuna in right. And you you trade try to find a buyer for Nick Marcakis, or you keep him on the bench. Um. I mean, I don't think there's a rush. Yeah, I think we're jumping to conclusions a little bit, yeah. but it's. It, I was thinking about that. It's a, at, it's a good problem to have. Sitting at my desk today, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, I'm not trying to take away what we've accomplished so far. And and also to, to beat the Nationals the way we did was tremendous, especially against Scherzer. I didn't give us a chance in hell to beat Scherzer today. I thought we were going to be done, because especially with the way we've, we've, you know, good pitching – you know, we only had we only faced really one good pitcher so far this year, and Aaron Nolan. He was just shutting us down. The team made a great effort in coming back, but part of that was because Gabe Kapler, the Philadelphia 
manager's a complete dumbass. That made me so happy. Yeah, I mean, he's a complete dumbass. We embarrassed dumbass. the Phillies. Oh, yeah, like, we did. No, they're, they're, I mean, I'm sure in Philly right now, they are just ripping him a new asshole. Because oh, they are. They want to, they're talking about firing him already. Of his horrific game management skills. Well, he, he's one of these uh, uh, analytics guys who's got, like, all these right, new-age theories that he's trying to Because third time through the lineup, Nola sucks, apparently. Or he does that for all starting pitchers. Like, he wants to pull them. Like, it's, it's, like that's just his strategy, and like, to yeah. keep pulling pitchers up from the minor leagues and rotating mm-hmm. them to keep the bullpen fresh. And Yeah. I think it's really going to backfire. Right. I mean, he was mowing through us. There was, like, no hope. Nola was killing us. And then yeah. after 68 pitches, he, he takes them out. It was just kind of crazy. But we're grateful. Yeah, certainly. And, and, and beating Scherzer today showed me, showed me a lot. Because he's still the... You know, I think after Kershaw, he's the best pitcher in the National League. He might, you know. And he clearly, I mean, he didn't have his A stuff, but I don't think Fulte had his A stuff either. No, and I was really impressed with the way Fultonavich handled the game today. Uh, you know, his first two innings, he really struggled. And he only gave up one run, and that was off of Scherzer's single. Yeah. And for him to rebound like that, knowing about his, his mental issues in terms of beating himself up and letting it, you know, encapsulate him and consume him. For him to bounce back like that, he only went five and a third, but he struck out, you know, eight guys. And so maybe he's over that. Maybe he is. And I think that uh, he looks poised. I'll yeah. Say that much. The, the one thing I've, I've enjoyed from Fulte is the strikeouts. He has 15 strikeouts and and 10 and one thirds innings pitched. Those are some good numbers. Yeah. He's keeping the walks down. He is uh, getting behind guys a little too much for my liking, but it's been nice to see him be resilient in the face of danger and that game could have gotten away from him today he's facing a very potent lineup and he was composed and stayed in it and and gave us a chance to win and he also contributed offensively which was nice got a uh run two run scoring double off of max scherzer it's been it's been nice for him this year but i i am still wondering about the starting rotation i guess we jump into that a little bit you know outside you know mccarthy looked okay but julio God awful these yeah. these first two starts. First game only went five and two thirds, gave it four runs, three walks, three strikeouts. You know, not great, but you know, not totally killing you. The game last night was awful. Only lasted two and a third. Gave up three homers, one to the opposing pitcher, and had more walks than he did strikeouts. And the thing I was noticing about Julio last night and then the first start is he's leaving a lot of pitches over the middle of the, of the plate. And the velocity between his fastball and his off-speed pitches is minuscule. Like he's, his fastball sitting between 88 and 91. His off-speed pitches are kind of in the same you know, variety. And it's just kind of like, well, you know, one of the things that makes an off-speed pitch effective is if you're able to differentiate it greatly from your fastball. And he's not doing that. I'll go ahead and put it out there now that – since Julio is not an Anthopolis guy as well, I mean he might be on a short leash. Like, I think he's on a very short leash. I w- I am I've already hit the panic button on Julio, I, especially I after last night. I don't think there's going to be any hesitation from Anthopolis to either trade him, even if if it's for next to nothing, or get, bring up Soroka and like just let him go ahead and have his chance. Or so it sounds like you are very concerned about Julio as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's it's uh it's not just like. You could say, oh, it's just a couple games, but it's going back to last year at this point. Like, yeah, it's- he, he horrible home road splits. And, you know, I think it's almost a disservice at this point. I mean, like, you know, we'll see how the season goes. He's only had two starts. But, you know, if he can't pitch here, 
that's a problem. You got 80 games here or whatever it is, you know? You're playing half your season here. You can't have a guy who sucks at, at home to, to, to continue to pitch in this organization if he can't pitch at that new home ballpark. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. And I will be really interested to see if this extends beyond uh, SunTrust Park, if this goes to visiting stadiums. I mean, I still think he's got the potential, but I, mean, I, I don't think at so. this point he's far well, from our ace. Especially, I wasn't able to watch a lot of the opening day game until I got over to, to your place. Um, you know, I listened to a lot of it on the road, and I, I watched a little bit of it at work. But last night I was able to really sit down and just, like, study Julio. And I was just like, God damn, every pitch is, like, right on the inner outer third of the plate. It's Or it's right in the middle. There's no... It seems like he's just falling behind, falling behind, and coming back with a breaking ball over the middle or a fastball down the middle. It's 88, 91. It's just, it's not good. You know, with Fulte, you're seeing this great disparity between his fastball and his changeup, his off-speed pitches. There's one changeup he had today that he, well, I can't remember I who he's... The one you're talking about. The one that just was over the middle of the plate and then just it was, dove. It was, it was almost like a splitter, the way, yeah. it, the way it broke across the plate where it was just floating there and then it just broke at the last yeah. second. And whoever he struck out was just flabbergasted by it because that pitch looked like it dropped about six inches at the last second. And... Obviously, Mike's a lot younger than, or he's not even really that much younger than Julio. He's only like three or four years. Yeah. Julio just seems to be—I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting, but it's, it's like he's at the end of his rope. Like I just don't foresee a future in this league when he's just is the way he's pitching he right could, now. He could also be a guy that just needs to change the scenery. He may need to change the scenery because I think maybe it's gotten to his head. Maybe his yoga workouts, like you were saying, have not uh, have not. We're not going transition to completely jump ship after two starts. No, but I, 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 I'm hitting the panic button. I, you know, this is more of the same of what we saw last season. And I think it's, it's time to start thinking about a future without Julio Tehran in your rotation. Yeah. The, the old reg- regime made some poor decisions. Well, the good news is he's not, we got him for a good uh, contract. Right. It's not like we're overpaying the guy. It's not like it's BJ Upton, but like just some of, I, I always go back to like some of the guys that we could have had instead of him, like your Alex Wood. but like another one doesn't get mentioned much is Charlie Morton. We gave Charlie Morton like a year. Yeah. And now he's pitching in the world series. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, and he's, he's topping 96, 97 miles an hour in his fastball. And he's supposedly the fifth starter of the Astros, but I mean, the guy's got great stuff. Yeah. Um, like I even saw like, with the Yankees last night. Remember Jason Shreve? Yeah. I think he pitched for us in like 2014 maybe. No, he was he was good out of the and, bullpen. And now he's been a sta- just a workhorse for the Yankees. Yeah. The good news is, you know who looked pretty decent the other night? Hmm. Was Anibal Sanchez. Yeah. I thought he looked decent. He came in and like, I was like, oh, this guy knows how to actually pitch. Yeah. In the Monday night game? Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he was fine. And he was then, fine. Um, that, what was that dude's name that pitched last night? Oh, Carl. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his first name, but Carl. He really he's a good. he's a new guy. Yeah, no, he really kept that game together. I mean, I know the offense was doing work, but it was like you've got to go in and the and the second inning, kid. Yeah. <laughs> good luck so against one of the best offenses in the National I, League. I think one thing we're gonna have to get used to is these having a few different long relievers that are gonna go out there and get you three to four innings after the starters don't get the job done. Well, the thing is with the rotation, so you got to get out of the fifth inning. This happened last year, too, where our starters could not get out of the fifth inning, and by the end of the season, the bullpen was in shambles. It was literally shambolic. It was the epitome of just— Shambolic, that can't be a word. It is a word. Uh-huh. I mean, it's to literally be in shambles. Hmm. And uh, you can look it up on your own free time. I will. And 
if we do that again, we're going to run the bullpen into the ground. So we, as much as good as Folti has been, he still had a very high pitch count going into that fifth inning, and we really need him. I'm expecting him to be the leader of this rotation moving forward because I've, I've kind of given up on Julio at this point. Got to get out of the fifth inning. Got to get to the sixth inning, seventh inning. I, li- I like what I see out of them, Graham. Yeah, overall, I mean, it's been it's been a pleasant surprise. It's been a very pleasant surprise. Even are we going to talk about Dansby? You know, he hasn't walked yet. I don't think, but defensively, he hasn't killed you, and he's made some solid contact on the baseball, and uh, he's not trying to do too much. He's looked good. He's looked good. I don't really have a lot of negatives to say about him, with the exception of I want him to take more pitches and work the count a little more. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy. We're going to have to have him be some semblance of his 2016 self if we're going to keep this offense working like it is now. Yeah, and to to go back to the last episode, we were like, you know, you just see Dansby playing scared, playing whatever, and, you know, there was a moment in that, I think that game we lost to the Phillies where he – Supposedly driven Peter Borges for the, I think, the yeah. go-ahead run, and then he it got overturned. But yeah, the emotion... Terrible slide. The, yeah, it was a bad slide. But the emotion and the passion he showed, I was like, okay, this guy's he's really bad. going out. Yeah. He's really going for it, and he's pumped. And he's not playing with fear. He's playing with motivation. Borges is a guy that I'm not going to hesitate to get rid of completely. Once. I think... I don't know why they keep pulling Preston Tucker for Borges. Well, Borges is a better defender. He's got more speed. He can cover more ground. But he also can't slide, apparently. I think that was just – I'm not going to base his base running ability off of one slide where he kind of bounced around a little bit. Like, Lost this ball game. Not just him, but, yeah, that would have put us up. However, I think he is the odd man out. Lane uh, Adams has been great. Lane Adams has been a very good pinch hitter so far. he was last year. Yeah, no, pinch hitting-wise, he's which done – Which was a concern after his spring training. Yeah, no, he's been exceptional pinch hitting so far. I think, I think Peter Borges is done – I think he's either DFA'd or sent to the minor leagues by the time that Cunha comes up or maybe before then. Yep. I know that Tyler Flowers is on the DL. Is there any timetable for him? Uh, he's gonna, I, I think he's going to – it's like a couple weeks. Yeah. So I, I think it was the 10-day DL, and I think he's expected to come back. Maybe get a rehab that. start in AAA but or something. Those obliques are just so – it's a weird thing. You never know about those obliques. So uh, we're fortunate that Suzuki – didn't break a bone and it was just bruised. Yeah. Yeah. Because Stewart is not going to. Oh, Stewart's gone. So you don't have to worry about him. Yeah. But he, like, had he, had we had to rely on Stewart, that'd For, be a big concern. Sure. I think moving forward, looking ahead at the schedule a little bit, we have a very tough road trip coming up. We have three against the Rockies. Those games are always insane in Coors Field uh, just because of the altitude. And, you know, it's unpredictable. It's an offensive onslaught every time we go out there, it seems like. Games are in the double digits. You got three games against them. You have three games against the Cubs and the Nationals after that. That's tough. Yeah. All the way. Yep. All the way. So it'll be interesting to see how this team reacts going on the road after, you know, living for a uh, a week and a half in the friendly confines of SunTrust Park. Enjoy the ride, Graham. I'll do. I'll try to do a better job of enjoying the ride. I'm just starting to see some early things. I feel like are going to bite us in the ass moving forward. There's really, no Falcons news. We we signed Kamala Shmuel, but no one gives a shit. We don't have to talk about that. Hawks news, whatever. Gives a damn. <laughs> United won, but we didn't watch it, so we're not going to talk about it. Uh, you know what I want to do? I haven't done this in a while. 
is a uh, the top ten, not top ten, top five list of your favorite, either on radio or on television, personalities in the history of Atlanta sports. It can be a combination. It can be two guys, or it can be one guy. Top five. You do top three. You do top five. You're more into the announcers than I am. You got another top three list? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass. Ooh. But top stadiums. Since we have so many fucking stadiums in our lifetime, Adam. Why don't we do the top five stadiums in Atlanta professional sports? We can do that. Okay. You want me to go first? You can go first. <sighs> okay. Number one. I'd start with number five. Number five. Your, your least favorite. My least favorite. Phillips? Phillips Arena? I'll say F- Phillips Arena for a Hawks game is number five. Okay. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. I don't think there's anything special about it. It's usually pretty empty. Right. Get some uh, cheap tickets. Yeah. None of the amenities do. We haven't seen Phillips Arena in its new form, though, with no. the barbershop and the, and the bar. I feel like I'll hate it more. Probably. Yeah. Uh, the sweet experience, which we've both had, is fine. That was cool. Yeah. But those sweets are gone now. Right. It's, it's nothing to write home about. It's a decent little stadium or arena. Yeah. I will say this. For a concert, it is exceptional. The acoustics in there are out of this world. I saw Roger Waters perform The Wall live there. It's the best show I've ever seen. And the light show is tremendous, and the acoustics were out of this world good. I also saw Game of Thrones live there. The hell's it, a Game of Thrones? Concert? It was like Game of Thrones concert. It's like the composer was there, and he, he had an orchestra, and they just played a shit ton of music from the show. Interesting. And that was stellar. So I think going to a concert, it's one of the better, it probably is the best venue in Atlanta to go to see a concert. In terms well, of like large venue. Yeah. In terms of seeing a Hawks game, it's good. You know, it's the home of the Hawks. It's a it's normal fun. arena. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so that's your, that's your number five. Number four, I'll go Phillips Arena for a Thrashers game. Ooh. That was just more exciting, I felt. Yes. People were into the Thrashers, mm-hmm. despite us losing them. Um, was it just because it's a hockey game? I think so. Or it was nothing Phillips that, Arena did and we, we to make it better. We saw Zappaculi in the stands that one time. We did. That was fun. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just liked the uh, just the fact that they could switch it from court to ice. It's a cool thought. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> cool operation. Indeed. Um, number three, I'll go with. Ooh, now I've kind of hamstrung myself. Number three's got to be the Georgia Dome. Okay. Just a lot of good memories in there. Bit of a dump besides that, but sure. <laughs> got the job done. Yep. It's classic. You grew up with it. We like classic. Yes, we do like classic. We like nostalgia. Yeah. Number two, I'll go with the Mercedes-Benz. Okay. And then number one, Turner Field. SunTrust Park just gets kicked out because it's in Cobb County. Oh. I probably could have put it in front of... Georgia Dome. <laughs> <laughs> or the Thrashers, the second Phillips Arena. Yeah. But that's just the way the lifts worked out this time. 
So why Turner Field, number one? Uh, same thing. Great memories there. 50,000 Tomahawks uh, being downtown. Uh, just a lot of good Braves moments happened there. Sure. And it's where I believe the stadium should still be. That's fair. I will jump in with mine. I will also put Phillips Arena number five, piggybacking off what you said. It is. It's just a normal, nice basketball arena. The seats that are actually closer to the stadium or closer to the floor are are nice and provide a good view. And the food's okay. Everything just feels like it's okay. There's nothing about it where I'm going to write home and say, "God damn it, Phillips Arena is just this exceptional facility." But seeing concerts there is is stellar. Um, number four, I guess I put SunTrust Park. I think it is a fantastic stadium. Every time I go there, I get a little more accustomed to it. I think it's got fantastic amenities with the battery being connected to it. Yep. And going there is always a lot of fun before the game. Tons of great restaurants and bars to select from. The kids' amenities are great. You know, with the rock climbing and the zip line and the arcade games, I think that's, that's stellar. And the... Monument Garden with all the Hall of Fame for the Braves players and, and general managers and coaches over the years is, is tremendous. And the overall stadium just is is, an, is nice. You don't feel so far away from the action as you did in Turner Field. Um, you feel closer to, to the game. And I like the layout of it. And I like that it's part of me hates that it's 10,000 less um, seats or 9,000 less seats in, in the house, but I also think it creates a more intimate atmosphere. I love... looks better on TV. It too. looks better on TV, and, and the I love whenever we get a strikeout and the, the water shoots out from center field. I think that's really exciting. So I've, I've really grown to, to like SunTrust Park. I don't love it yet. You know, when I, when I went to games last year, I felt like I was in a different place. I felt like I was in a different state. I felt like I was in Kentucky or some yeah. bizarre Midwest state. But... I, I have grown to, to like it a lot. Once they get Marta running out there, they'll jump up big on my list. Sure. I will put Georgia Dome at number three. And I'm really only putting it there because it's a classic stadium. The acoustics in there are some of the worst I've ever heard in my life. You can never understand a goddamn word anyone I saw a says. Zach Brown concert there one time was terrible. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, it's like you're saying, it is kind of, I mean, I remember seeing. A guy taking a piss right in the... Uh, Let me guess, on, on one of the ramps? One of the ramps, yeah. yeah. One of the ramps. And it's just kind of... It's just sort of... It's had this grungy feel, but also had a nice communal fan feel. You felt like you are kind of with people in your in your tax bracket. Right. You know, where it wasn't like hoity-toity or anything like yeah. that. Um, people Stadium. People Stadium. The food was, was shit. The, the view was shit, the sound was shit, but you felt like you were, you were experiencing it with everybody right. kind of thing. Um, number two, I'm going to put Atlanta Fulton County Stadium oh. purely for nostalgic purposes. That was not a good stadium in terms of the view, in terms of being far away from the field, but God damn it, that urinal trough was a moment of, of male bonding unlike anything. There's literally, for those that don't know or don't remember, there was the, the men's bathroom. There were, I don't think there were any urinals. There was literally just a trough in the middle of the bathroom, and everyone just sat there, and the game was blaring over the radio through these speakers. Everyone was just taking a piss together, talking about the game, and listening to the game, and it was a lot of fun. And 
it was really one of the first times I felt a communal bond with fans because the Tomahawk Shop unified everybody together. And looking around the stadium and seeing everyone in unison just chopping up and down, going apeshit, was, especially in a playoff environment those first six years of my life, that is the best sporting environment I've ever experienced in my life was at, is, is at um, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. I don't know why you would bring the troughs, like why that would be a big part. It was just fun taking a leak and talking to folks, you know? You could still do that with a divider between you. Yeah, but with if we had a divider, it was before everybody got so, you know, self-conscious so self about their penises. <laughs> you know, you just sit there and talk and piss and listen to the game. It was fun. Let's move on to your number one, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> uh... It's going to be a tie for me, which is kind of a cheap way yeah. out. But we're 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 sort of allowed to do that because it's our own rules. I'm going to tie Mercedes-Benz Stadium and Turner Field together. I think Mercedes-Benz Stadium is a state-of-the-art facility, and I've really enjoyed the two times I've gone there. I think it's a great place to watch a game. It does feel more special. Yeah, the look of it overall just takes your breath away. Like when you look up at that roof, even though it doesn't open yet, yeah. it's just like it's a piece of architectural genius in terms of just the design of it, even though it's a lot of moving parts and a lot of just just the look of it is awe-inspiring. It feels it's so fucking massive. It just sort of encompasses your entire brain space when you're looking at it. You're just like, holy shit, this is a fucking cathedral, you know? And I, you know, acoustics are better. Even though they're not great, the acoustics well, are better. We went to the Garth Brooks concert. The Halo Dome is it's a game changer. No pun intended. But I love the Halo Dome. I love watching replays on that. I think even though it's unfortunate for people sitting in the upper deck that um, it's not – some of them can't see it, which is which sucks. But I've, I've really enjoyed both times I've been there. The environment has been fun. The amenities are great. All the bars, the hundred yard bars is, is a lot is is fantastic. The food is actually pretty good there, and the prices are competitive and and make you want to come back because it's only like a, two bucks for get some popcorn or a hot dog or something. I think I really like that aspect but of it. That it's four grand for your PSL. Right, you hate the PSL aspect of it, but I will admit that it is a modern masterwork in terms of construction. I just wish that roof would open so we can get some outdoor soccer and football. Yeah. The number one for me has to be Turner Field. And I actually recant that. I will kick Phillips Arena out and put Mercedes-Benz at number five. That makes more sense. Yeah, because... Wait, at five? At five. Well, no. Why wouldn't you just kick everything else back? I'll kick everything else back. Okay. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Turner Field, so I'll put Mercedes-Benz at two. Phillips Arena's gone. Um, number one is Turner Field. It is my all-time favorite stadium. I went there when it opened for the Olympics. I saw track and field there. And that was a lot of fun. It was beautiful. I don't remember a ton about it because I was only six, but I remember it being really special. I've seen the All-Star game there. I've seen World Series games there. I've seen countless regular season games and, and playoff games. And it's just a part of my upbringing was going to Turner Field. And uh, as a part of, you know, we've bonded tons at Turner Field. Our friends have bonded. My family has bonded. It's been a special environment to just go and watch baseball games. And feel like you're witnessing something spectacular, especially in the mid-90s, early 2000s. You're watching this great pitching staff in this brand-new facility. 
And it was and it was a great park. The dimensions were, were were catered to pitching, which we loved. We saw so many great players there, and Andrew Jones, Chipper Jones, the big three, Smoltz, Maddox, Clavin, Bobby Cox is the manager. You know, it, it, it was Conrad. Brooks Conrad hitting that grand slam and then fucking up in the playoffs. There are a lot. It's also a house of horrors because we had a lot of opposing teams celebrating the postseason at that stadium. But that is where I grew up. And I think the dimensions of it were great. It was a beautiful facility to walk around and look at. Had good food overall, especially in its later years, really up the food game there. And I, I love that stadium, and I'm sad that we don't play there anymore because that was my those were my formative years. And even after my formative years, it's where I went. You know, I can't. I, I think in 2012 Chippers last year, I went to about 30 games in person. And every moment I went there, I I, I treasured, and I treasured every moment I was there before then because. That was fucking brace baseball. Was going downtown to Turner Field. So pretty much, it has nothing to do with the stadium, but just the moments. The moments, yes. Getting but serious, but, honestly, but right. I think the stadium was 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 well. Even though it was an Olympic Stadium, even though you felt a little farther back from the action. I don't know. I I, I really can't. Can you pick any flaws out of Turner Field for being a as a facility? The actual stadium and the surrounding area. Not the surrounding area, but the facility itself. Forget the lack of being able to do anything afterwards or anything like that. But uh, it was a nightmare driving out of driving there. Driving sucked. I will say SunTrust Park has it beat there. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it wasn't like a modern marvel, though. It's just no, like, it's not it's like... It's a stadium. Yeah, it's a nice stadium. There's nothing wrong it's with fine. it. It's fine. Yeah, it's a good stadium. There's nothing spectacular that, about it. No. But it was it was one of those last stadiums that catered more to just watching a fucking baseball game than to having this quote unquote fan experience that Mercedes Benz is now doing in every other stadium that's being created or has been created in the last five years is catering towards. Yep. It's to more than the game. I just like going to the fucking game and watching it personally. Yeah, the other stuff is nice. You, yeah. The other stuff is nice you can get it out of the way early. But I, I can I come to watch watch sporting events. I don't come to dick around. And Turner Field represented everything I loved about going downtown. You know, and then you leave the stadium, you got ice cold water for a dollar, you got the street vendors. It's just so much fun being downtown. Yeah. And that's why we're going to be there Saturday, Graham. Yes, that's why we're going back to Turner Field once again for the Georgia State Spring Game. April 7th, 2018, 11 a.m. We'll see you there. Sorry, I didn't mean to get all. Got all like. Dr. Phil on us. I know. For like a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'll tell you, man. Turner Field. Standing turn, over here feeling a little weird. No, sorry. No, Turner Field's a part of like my my core, man. I love that fucking stadium. You should get a Turner Field tattoo. Maybe I will. I want to get the old Turner Field tattoo, like Home of the Braves, the two Tomahawks. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Uh, I don't really think we have much else to talk about. <laughs> I think we're done. Yeah. Well, we hope to see you all this Saturday at, at the Blue Lot for the Georgia State Spring Game. Until then. Rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.